well, well. After a hot weekend of mid-90s wrestling action, we cool down with a Monday Night Delight. Welcome to episode 56 of Acceptable in the 90s. Big Meaty Cool's all wrestled out in all fairness, but I'm powering through just for you to round out the weekend with an Intercontinental title rematch. First things first though, let's crack open a bottle and go back to the Welsh portion of Big Meaty Cool's holiday edition of Big Meaty Cool's Craft Beer Review. And yes, this seems to be a never-ending holiday for me, but once again I am back with some bottle-conditioned goodness from my friends over at Hoogabrew. And this week I have got their Shaky Bridge UK Hopped Indian Pale Ale. It's a 5.1%. Again, one of the things I love about these beers is that they don't give too much away with their ingredients. It's simply barley, hops and water. I have had this before, so it is one that I enjoy. I've given it a bit of a pour, and just for the purposes of people that are following me on Untapped, all three of you, these beers always look a little bit darker against the backdrop that I put the photographs in for. So, with this up against um, a window, this looks very hazy actually for a standard IPA. Nice bit of carbonation in the glass, and it's almost got a bit of two-tone to it. It starts quite light at the bottom, before darkening off at the top. Um, it smells absolutely brilliant. I poured this out about five minutes ago, and it still kept its head really well, which I know will make Rob and Dan very happy. So, without further ado, do please let the BPMs take over your very soul, as I give this beer a very satisfying quaff. So that's very much what you expect from a modern IPA really. You can really detect those hops which is just as well because it's one of the main ingredients. There's a real nice citrusy aftertaste, uh, maybe a tiny bit of grapefruit in there. Definitely some kind of orangey pith, a bit of tangerine maybe. But no, that is absolutely lovely. Like I say, some of those flavours might come through a little bit later on because I have put this in the fridge because I'm an absolute moron. But yeah, I am going to enjoy that very much. So that beer is going to go down a treat this episode, but before we get to a treat of an episode of Raw, we cut straight to the newsroom for all the happenings on this day in history, on Monday July the 19th, 1993. In sports, Lancashire cricketer Glenn Chappell scored the fastest first class century, scored against declaration bowling by Glamorgan in 1993 coming off just 27 balls and taking just 21 minutes. It was also the last day of first-class cricket for Ian Botham. In politics, President Clinton fired FBI Director William Sessions. Sessions was FBI Director during the controversial 1992 confrontation at Ruby Ridge, Idaho, during which the unarmed Vicky Weaver was shot dead by an FBI sniper. 
This incident provoked heavy criticism of the Bureau, as did the deadly assault on the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas, that lasted from February the 28th to April the 19th, 1993. Just before Bill Clinton was inaugurated as the 42nd President of the United States on January the 20th, 1993, allegations of ethical improprieties were made against Sessions. A report by outgoing Attorney General William P. Barr presented to the Justice Department that month by the Office of Professional Responsibility included criticisms that he had used an FBI plane to travel to visit his daughter on several occasions and had a security system installed in his home at government expense. Janet Reno, the 78th Attorney General of the United States, announced that Sessions had exhibited serious deficiencies in judgment. Although Sessions denied that he had acted improperly, he was pressured to resign in early July, with some suggesting that President Clinton was giving Sessions the chance to step down in a dignified manner. Sessions refused, however, saying that he had done nothing wrong, and insisted on staying in office until his successor was confirmed. As a result, President Clinton dismissed Sessions. English songwriter, musician and Brit award-winning producer Fred Again was born on this day in Balham, South London, England. The pop charts on both sides of the Atlantic remained unchanged with UB40 at the top of the US charts with I Can't Help Falling In Love With You, while Take That were at the top of the US chart with Prey. The box office remained unchanged also, with The Firm at the top of the US cinema chart, while Cliffhanger remained at the top in the UK. The July 19th edition of WWF Monday Night Raw emanated from its usual home of the Manhattan Center in Manhattan, New York, broadcast live on the same day. Commentary for the night was provided by Vince McMahon, the macho man Randy Savage and Bobby the Brain Heenan. There were a couple of dark matches on the card as El Hayo del George the Animal Steel, aka Rich Myers, defeated Dwayne Gill, while the bad guy Razor Ramon was practising being a good guy and defeated Mr. Hughes. It was last Thursday, the World Wrestling Federation headquarters, a cross-section of Americana turning out to kick off the Lex Luger call to action campaign. We picked up these comments from a humble, patriotic Lex Luger. Some people say, uh, you know, it's not cool to be patriotic nowadays, but... Uh, this, I think, is a good start right here to show people that they're wrong. There's a lot right with the United States of America, and it truly is a land of opportunity. Lex Luger is on his way, on his way to ask for your support in his attempt to gain a World Busting Federation title matchup with Yokozuna. Lex Luger wants you. The Lex Express on the way. Marty Gennetti. In addition to that, this will be the debut right here tonight 
of a tag team everybody's talking about. Mom, M-O-M. You know what M-O-M means? They are men who live and sleep and live and are mission. It's men on a mission. Same thing. And from there, a very special guest in the King's Court, Jerry Lawler with a King's Court and a very special guest. Absolutely, and nobody from the WWF has ever tiptoed through the tulip, but Tiny Tim's gonna try. Tiny Tim and a whole host of others. Look out, here we go. The following contest, scheduled for one call, is for the World Wrestling Federation in Continental Championship. About to enter the ring with his bodyguard, Diesel, from San Antonio, Texas. It was just nine weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen, when World Wrestling Federation history was made right here on Monday Night Raw. And there, Bobby Heenan, you remember very well what happened. You witnessed it. Yes, it's two against one. And Marty Jannetty should have even had that match. Who knows what's going to go down tonight on Raw? Is Perfect in the building? Nonetheless, a victory on the part of Marty Jannetty. And Marty Jannetty is pumped. He is psyched. He wants to return to New York City and recapture the Intercontinental title. But there's one very important obstacle in his way. The insurance policy. Big Diesel is in the corner of Shawn Michaels. Yes, an awesome man. Many say Macho Diesel was partially responsible for the title returning back to Shawn Michaels in Albany, New York. Not partially fully responsible. And here he comes. We start with our featured contest of the evening, as Marty Jannetty prepares to score an upset once again and regain the Intercontinental title from the man who needed an outside interference to win it back in the first place, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. We are shown footage of Mr Perfect helping Marty win the title from Shawn a couple of months ago. Speaking of Sean, he's sporting a very noticeable gut here that would lead to something significant in several weeks. Sean attacks Marty from behind to start before we get a reversal sequence that ends with Marty hitting a clothesline for a two count. Marty gets two with a roll up then runs Sean outside as Savage says that this is already one of the greatest matches he's ever seen. Alright cowboy hat, you need to take them glasses off. Everything has been done to perfection so far to his credit though, but talk about hyperbole. Sean returns and works a side headlock, then we end in a stalemate as Sean is frustrated over Marty countering everything he throws at him. Sean cheap shots Marty in the corner, then chokes him out on the ropes. Marty fights back and gets a two count with a slam before applying an armbar. Sean eats boots on a charge and then Marty hits a flying clothesline. Marty heads back up top and lands on his feet after Sean rolls away and then hits a DDT and believes he gets the three count as the bell rings, but the referee sees that Sean's foot is on the ropes. We go to break and then we learn when we come back that Heenan and Diesel showed the referee that Sean's foot was indeed on the ropes before he counted to three, and the match has resumed. Marty gets a two with a suplex and then hammers away. A backbreaker gets two, but Sean is able to counter out of a headlock with a back suplex as both men are down. 
Sean catches Marty with an elbow splash and then tosses him outside before catching a breather. Marty returns and collides with Sean, who spills outside. The ref heads out to order Diesel not to touch Sean, but as that happens, Sean pokes Marty in the eye. We go to break and then we return with Sean getting a two count with a flying attack. Sean now uses a chin lock and then knees Marty in the gut before grounding him with a front face lock. The crowd chants for Marty as he's able to get up and crotch Sean on the top rope. Both men are down and then Marty is up first and counters a powerbomb attempt with a hurricane rana that only gets two. Sean avoids a corner splash and comes off the top with a crossbody but Marty rolls through that and gets two. Marty then uses a rocker dropper and sets up for the super kick, but Sean gets tied up in the ropes. Marty hammers away at him but spills outside as Sean ducks a crossbody. Diesel then rolls Marty back inside and then Sean crawls over and makes the cover for the win in 14 minutes and 23 seconds. So as always seems to be the case in 1993 for the WWF, this was an excellent match, but it was carried by Marty Jannetty. The action throughout the match was excellent, but it was hampered by a dreadful finish. Diesel's involvement really could have been ramped up to influence the decision more, but Vince is taking things slowly with him, and I can't say that there's anything wrong with that. This match actually gets more hype than it deserves as well, which I think had to do with an incredibly hot crowd. It's good, but it's not great. If anything... The original Intercontinental title match between these two, as well as Marty's two out of three falls match with Doink, were both far better. But still, it's not a bad way to open the show. You showed up and you watched WWF Mania at 10 o'clock Eastern Time this Saturday morning with my new tag team partner, the Toddster Todd Pettengill, yeah! Oh, you think that's the hottest thing going? What about Sundays at noon on USA? I don't have a tag partner. I got a gopher named Mean Gene Oakland that does all my dirty work, and that's the best show on USA. I'll check it out. You check us out. You check me, I'll check you. And I don't like what you did during Ladies the title gentlemen, match. would you please welcome Money Incorporated. <laughs> Ah, here they come, here they come. Former Tag Team Champions. Yeah, but Money Sucks and DBLC and IRS can walk. Everybody Me and the Todster Todd Petco could beat these guys. Because the Million Dollar Man. Todd Petco couldn't whip an egg. Always. Well, Mr. DBLC, I see you're counting your cash. That's nothing unusual for you, is it? That's my favorite pastime. <laughs> Well, I would suggest that the Steiners' favorite pastime is beating you two individuals for the Tag Team Championship. Let me tell you something, and all these tax cheats out here, McMahon, we were robbed of the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles. Like I said, these tax cheats don't know what they're talking about. They well, certainly know your first name, though, don't they? But furthermore, McMahon, next week, we're going to get a rematch at the Steiner Brothers and the titles. And this time, they're not going to be able to buy the referee and get any decisions reversed. Because when we get our chance next week, we're going to take the titles back to Money Incorporated, right where they belong. And the Steiner Brothers are going out 
just like they came in. A couple of losers. I see. Well, that remains uh, to be seen, and we certainly look forward to that title match this coming weekend on WWF Superstars. Spe Speaking of losers, McMahon, <laughs> you know, there are losers, and then there are really big losers. And I can't think of a bigger loser in the World Wrestling Federation than Mr. Machismo himself, Razor Ramon. <laughs> Here's a guy who is so proud of his machismo and yet lets uh, virtually nothing happening punk kid beat him on national television, then offers him $10,000 to get back in the ring. And the kid steals his money. Now, how big, bigger a loser can you be uh -oh. than that? I can smell I my know, cheese, but your remarks, I was like, no, right, McMahon? Like, you had nothing to do with this. But I'll tell you what, we're not totally heartless, Razor Ramon. We think we can give him a job, right, Irwin? We can find some domestic work for you to do. Maybe, like, cleaning our toilets, polishing our shoes. Cars up, nice wax job. I think that's very good. <laughs> Mr. Ramon, why are you here? Okay, rich man, tax man, let me get it right. The bad guy, trabajo para ustedes. I work for you. I think he's asking for a job. No way. So. I've done a lot of work with my hands, man. Only Chico, I do it for me. I don't work for you, and I don't work for you. I like it. Well, Mr. DiBiase, what about it, huh? So basically what you're telling me is you don't have a price? <laughs> Take a long, hard look, machismo. This is mean green. And like I've always said, everybody's got a price, even you. He's gone nuts now. Razor's gonna tear the place apart. I know the temper of this man, and I also know money ain't what they're capable of doing. I gotta say something. I just experienced some machismo, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody does that to Money Incorporated. Nobody does that to the Million Dollar Man. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you something, big man, and all you idiots Razor here. Just did he it. is gonna pay. I'll make him pay. I will embarrass him in the worst way he could be embarrassed. I want that one, two, three kid, that snot-nosed punk. You what? I want him in the ring. I'm challenging the one, two, three kid. I'm not gonna be one, two, three. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna wipe the mat with this kid in about 30 seconds and show Mr. Machismo what a real man can do. All right, well, thank you very much, Money Incorporated. <laughs> up next, there's gonna be Mom, men on a mission. Thumbs up to Razor Ramon. This game yeah. in the past. 
I want to see the tag team in the future. Men on a mission and they're cool, yeah, yeah. This interview was brilliant on so many levels. You've got Razor making a babyface turn convincingly against a team that the crowd dislikes. Money Incorporated are getting put into a programme with the kid. And Sean Waltman continues to be built up, even in his absence. I am all here for it. I'm also all here for a Raw debut for Vince McMahon's newest tag team hope as Oscar wraps men on a mission to the ring to face new rookie sensation Rich Myers and Hank Harris. Oscar's rap features the immortal line, Somebody say mo! Say mo! 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 Bar, are you going to mow the lawn today? Okay, but you promised me mo money. I mo, I mo. Mo, mo, mo. When Bart's done, can we mow to the movies? There's a moat name? Of course. All work and mo play makes mo a mo mo. Mo 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 Now scream! Harris gets dumped outside and then men on a mission use a drop-to-hold leg-drop combo on Myers. The men stay in control as the announcers talk about whether or not Kid will accept DiBiase's challenge. We get a brief, woomph, there it is chant, obviously the people of WCW Saturday Night are visiting in New York, before men on a mission use a front suplex flying leg-drop combo for the win in 1 minute and 49 seconds. Now, 30 years after it debuted, the Men on a Mission actors aged pretty poorly, but the fans at the time really enjoyed it. I feel quite sorry for the smoking asses, who work incredibly hard, are really good workers, but have a massive disconnect with the New York crowd. But you have to go with what works, and it seems to be these purple terrors. We're on a mission! Here on Monday Night Raw, it's your SummerSlam report. Brought to you by Chevrolet and Chevy Trucks. Hey, what's more American than Apple Pie, Chevrolet, and the World Wrestling Federation? The Palace of Auburn Hills in suburban Detroit is the scene for SummerSlam. Monday night, August 30th. Royalty is on the line when the King of the Ring, Bret the Hitman Hart, meets the self-proclaimed king, Jerry Lawler. Bret Hart, as you know, was crowned the king of the ring earlier this summer. And during his moment of glory, Lawler viciously attacked Bret Hart, ruining that coronation. Folks, this promises to be a very exciting matchup with the emotions running tremendously high. You know, The Undertaker will be facing the giant Gonzalez in an RIP match. Now, only The Undertaker knows the rules for this rest in peace match, and The Undertaker right now is mum. Harvey Whippleman may have inked his final contract for the big eight-foot-tall giant Gonzalez. As you know, this weekend on WWF Superstars and Wrestling Challenge, President Jack Tunney will be giving his decision on Lex Luger's plea to meet Yokozuna at SummerSlam for the World Wrestling Federation title. If that match happens, I, for one, 
will want to be in Detroit on Monday, August 30th for SummerSlam. Right now, I'm looking forward to getting back to Monday Night Raw and Tiny Tim, can you believe it, through the tiptoe, through the tulip. Uh, Vince, let's get back to you. I'm sorry, I get carried away, you know me. I guess you do, Gene, get a little carried away. Well, that's the truth, you know, I don't care if you believe me or not. What's that? Mean Gene Okerlund is Tiny Tim's third son. Oh, By please. his fourth marriage. Everyone getting carried away as the Lex Express rolls through town in the Lex Luger call to action campaign. This week was in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, and then from there, rolling on down south into our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., Lex Luger asking for your support, warning you to enlist in his call to action campaign. It's on its way. Let's take a look now at some footage of the Lex Express in action. We are aboard. Right, Vince McMahon alludes to this during the SummerSlam report. But I'm not playing the clip he's mentioning because it's just set to music with no speech. But just to give you a brief recap, the Lex Express has started rolling through VW halls and elementary schools as Lex Luger kisses babies, signs casts and endorses right-wing opinions. Probably. In a nutshell, this is more corny than Jonathan Davis and his mates filming an advert for Kellogg's Cornflakes in a cornfield before watching the entire Children of the Corn anthology while eating corn dogs. In case you weren't getting it, it was corny as fuck. We get another of Vince's baffling endorsements next as Bastion Bugger waddles out to face Scott Dupre. Bugger clotheslines poor Scott and then starts yelling at the fans. Bugger then hits a leg drop and then soon after that uses a sit-down splash for the win in 1 minute and 1 second. After the match, Luger tosses Dupre outside. Shite. Tell you what's coming next week. Take a look at this. Bret the Hitman Hart, the former WWF champion and the reigning king of the ring. Bam Bam Bigelow. He lost a controversial match to the Hitman in a classic confrontation at the King of the Ring tournament. Now, they meet once more. Bam Bam battles the Hitman, next week on Monday Night Raw. Oh, it's about time that Bret Hart was on Raw again. Sorry, King Bret Hart. And in a King of the Ring rematch, no less. Oh, that's going to be banging. What a matchup that's going to be one-on-one. The Hitman Bret Hart squaring off against Bam. about the fact shut up with that Burger King stuff I'm very excited about the fact that a little bit later on Bam Bam Bigelow is gonna take care of a thorn in my side by the name of Bret Hart he's gonna flatten him he's gonna squash him I'm not gonna have to worry about him well you can see that the King Jerry Lawler is taking his sweet time. He's and I, preoccupied with himself. If you idiots could shut up over there for just a second with this Burger King garbage. We have got, we have got a very, very special guest here on the King's Court. This week, I would love to be able to say that I'm going to introduce one of the greatest <laughs> singers 
of all time. I would love to be able to say that. Unfortunately, I'm going to introduce Tiny Tim. All right, let's hear it for uh, Tiny Tim. I want to see if I can get the world famous, the one and only Tiny Tim to come out and be a guest on the King's Court. Who dresses as Joker? Central casting? So you are Tiny Tim. I understand, Tiny Tim. You're from New York City, is that right? Yes, I'm from this wonderful city. You're from this wonderful city. I like the way you always look like an unmade bed. Let me ask you about this jacket here. What happened? The guy at the carnival couldn't guess your weight? Is that what happened? Well, I love this jacket, and it's done me so many wonderful things throughout the world. Look at, can you get a shot of the way he's dressed here, these clothes? You know what? I got an idea for you. You can start yourself an old, your own newspaper column. It could be called Dear Shabby. How about that, huh? Oh well, they can call it whatever they want, but I'm so happy with it. Okay, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to just do a few bars of that world famous to the song that you made famous all over the world. Tiptoe through the tulips. Just a couple of bars, okay? That's enough. That's enough right there. I want to ask you about that voice. Is that your real voice or are your underwear a little too tight? Tell me the truth. Well, you know what? I remember when you and, uh, was it Miss Vicky got married on the Johnny Carson show? <laughs> I'll bet you two had to flip a coin to see who was going to get to wear the gown, didn't you? <laughs> she was wonderful. She carries dollar bills. Oh, is that so? Well, let me ask you this. Tell me a little bit about what, you, I, I, what year do you think it was that your career actually died? And then I want you to tell me what you're doing now. Well, it never died, it just resurrected itself. And right now I'm walking the streets and doing wonderful things. Don't you have a radio show coming up or something like that? You know, if you get on the air, people will threaten to quit breathing it. Well, that's, that'll be on uh, July 25th, WHO in Des Moines, Iowa, with Mr. Van Harden. I see. Well, Tiny Tim, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Since you're from New York, I want you to explain to all of these idiots out here once and for all. What are, what are they saying? I'm sorry, I can't hear. <laughs> well, I can't understand them. They're a bunch of mushmouths. But these are the idiots that call me the Burger King. And I get a little upset when they call me a Burger King. Now, you, Tiny Tim, you don't think I'm a Burger King, do you? You're no Burger King. You heard that, didn't you, uh, New York? This is a man from New York, and his, he knows that I am not a Burger King. Right, Tiny Tim? Right. You're the Dairy Queen. Whoa, the Dairy Queen. I like it. What did you say? You're the Dairy Queen. The dairy. I like that. Mr. Lawler's not going to like this at all. Knock him out. Come here, Tiny Tim. Dairy Queen. Uh -oh. I guess you think that was real funny, don't you? I guess you think you're a big comedian out here calling me a Dairy Queen. Now let me ask you something, Tiny Tim. Why don't you be a man? Why don't you get a real guitar instead of this little ukulele you got here? Why don't you do that, Tiny Tim? I like the ukulele. Oh, you like that ukulele? You... It's easy to handle. Oh, it's easy to handle. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Tiny Tim. Let me handle that ukulele for you a little bit. You want to call me a Dairy Queen? Huh? Oh, There's your ukulele, Tiny Tim. Oh, 
look at Tiny Kim is distraught. Tiny Kim, he can't believe what's happened. There you go. He's picking up the pieces. You've broken his heart. You've broken Tiny That's what I'm going to do to Bret Hart. Exactly what I did. Right. I like Jerry the King Lawler. He's an excellent heel. He's a really good talker. And I've liked the King's Court segments that have been on the network prior to this. But I don't get why this particular guest was a good idea to have on the show. Jerry is great as always. But is Tiny Tim really going to be facing the King in a match? Also, was he relevant in 1993? I mean, you can say that he was, at the very least, a good sport. But this was a massive misfire from Vince and company. Anyway, we get a main event that was better in the ring than it was on paper, as the 123 kid gets a decent showing out of Chris Duffy. Kid takes Duffy down and covers for two. Vince tells us that during the break, the kid accepted DiBiase's challenge for a match that will happen sometime in the future. Way to be vague. We now see Money Incorporated head down to ringside, but we also see Razor come through the crowd as Kid uses a pair of leg drops, but after that eats boot on a charge in the corner. Duffy runs over the Kid, but after that runs into a spinning heel kick. Kid drop kicks Duffy in the corner and then comes off the top with a leg drop for the win in 2 minutes and 16 seconds. After the match, Kid leaves through the crowd in order to avoid Razor and Money Incorporated, as Heenan calls him a coward. We now see Razor flick his toothpick at DiBiase and then several referees separate them as we go to break. I loved the dynamic at the end of this match where the kid leaves through the crowd because even though Razor is kind of defending him, the kid still thinks that all three men have got it out for him. And this was the right way to use a match to progress a storyline as well as Money Incorporated set their stall out against both the kid and Razor. We may have a problem yet. We may have a big problem, ladies and gentlemen. Razor Ramon flicking his toothpick. Razor Ramon's ready to go with Ted DiBiase. Here we go. Yeah, we'll be right back. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, the hitman Bret Hart squares off against. Would you put that down? Stop that. The Hitman Bret Hart squares off against Bam Bam Bigelow. Word is the Hitman's bringing in his parents. Ooh, yeah. And there's no doubt what we have here is a macho boy along with a macho man. Macho boy Jason. All right. The kid's 46 years old. It's a midget Wait. Hitman versus Bam Bam next week. That will be an extraordinary matchup, ladies and gentlemen. Be on hand to see the extraordinary action on Monday Night Raw. And now we go to my final thoughts. This episode of Raw was a lot better than I made it out to be. Marty vs Sean was very good, although it could have been excellent. And a lot of promo time was given to building up Razor Ramon's eventual face turn. Money incorporated bullying tactics towards the kid, as well as continuing to give the kid a working class hero vibe with the fans. The hard reset of Lex continues as well, 
and in spite of my feelings towards it, I understand that it has to be done. Vince McMahon likes a big, muscly guy to be the figurehead of his company, and it's going to take an awful lot to shake that old-aged thinking. All in all, this was another decent episode of The Flagship Show. guys the match of the night goes to Marty versus Sean. In spite of my misgivings with it, it was still the best thing on the show from an in-ring perspective. The crowd was hot, Diesel was an awesome presence and Marty carried the match really well. Therefore the star of the night goes to Party Marty Janetti. He went above and beyond in getting a better match than Sean looked capable of giving here. Something's up and, and Sean really missed a step this week. The highlight of the night is the three-way storyline between Razor Ramon, Money Incorporated and the 123 Kid. Money Incorporated are really getting into this role of peace disturbers, getting involved in something that really doesn't concern them. Razor is leaning into the fan support of him as an everyman and the Kid continues to have the crowd against him. It's all good stuff and DiBiase is finding his character again. The lowlight of the night, unfortunately, goes to Shawn Michaels. He didn't look in the best of shape here, and he was off the pace considerably. I've alluded to this earlier, but things are not looking good for him. Guys, thank you so much for spending some of your weekend with me. I'll be very honest now, I'm a little bit burnt out from all the wrestling that I've been watching, so... Primarily for that reason, I'm going to be taking some time away from the podcast. I will try and be back in a couple of weeks, but there's also quite an important reason that I'm taking a step back here. And I do hope you'll indulge me. There's a few people within the podcasting community that I'm a part of that know about this and have been huge supports. And Danny knows about this as well. And as soon as he's ready to come back, we will be recording together again. Or at least I hope so. But I've got a lot going on at home. And basically to put things into a nutshell. My beautiful wife. The the love of my life for at least the past 13 years. Has got ovarian cancer. She's also got a malignancy on her lung. Which the doctors want to sort out first. But at the time of recording we're, we're just waiting for an answer on that. But... Anyway, she's doing really well. The the hope is that it's been caught early enough because she's got absolutely no kinds of symptoms at all that you would associate with the more aggressive side of cancer once it starts to develop. But obviously, outside of my work in the NHS and outside of what I do here for the podcast, I am ultimately, first and foremost, a husband and father. And at this moment in time... My family needs me. So I'm not saying that I'm going to be completely going off podcasting as a whole. Because in all fairness, I love putting this show out for you guys. And I need the distraction. But hopefully you'll understand that even though there will be episodes of One Man's Meat coming up. As I say, once Danny's ready to come back. There may not necessarily be as much of a deluge of acceptable in the 90s episodes. And you know... Some of you might like that because 
I sometimes think I'm doing this to an audience of one, to be fair. But yeah, please understand, it's with the best of intentions. My family need me, and I need to be there for my family. And ultimately, I need to be there for myself as well, because I haven't really shown it in the way that I've put myself across in recordings of these episodes, but I'm absolutely in bits. Anyway, I've I've waffled on too much. I think you'll understand that uh, there's not going to be the the catchphrase sign off at the end of this episode because I I think it comes off as a little bit misguided given what I've just said. But I love every single one of you, as does Danny as well. I, I know that for a fact. We can't wait to be back with you soon. Thank you so much for being so understanding about this. Um, my, my DMs are open if anybody wants to talk. Um, but please understand, I, I'm not doing this for sympathy. I'm just doing this to let you guys know why there may not be so many episodes coming up. Uh, but thank you for coming along for this ride. I will be back soon with the build to SummerSlam um, once once time allows and, and once I feel ready to do it. But in the meantime and in between time, thank you guys. Do take care and I will speak to you soon. Much love.